Well, I, I grew up on the California coast, uh, as you might know, surfing, diving, sailing. And I went up to Lewis and Clark College and I built a small boat. And it seems like I always had a tide chart in my back pocket, but I never really quite knew the, what was going on with the tide. And uh, so I ended up in the, in the 80s, in the age of 24, 25, I bought a big old wooden schooner and I started a nonprofit educational organization on that boat that sailed from Seattle to Alaska around Haida Gwaii and Vancouver Island for 11 years. We did these and we did seminars on the boat. And one year in the early 90s, I almost lost the boat in a very large tide and gale up in southeast Alaska. And after that, I decided it was time to learn what was going on. Well, basically what I did was I I took some element of the tide and I went to where it was most dramatically at play around the world. So I went all over the world. And one of them was um, in the Chentong River in China, which has the largest tidal bore in the world. And the tidal bore is when the tide comes up the river in the form of a wave or a solid wall of water. And the tidal bore on the Chentong River is 25 feet tall, or it gets up to 25 feet tall. It's huge. And the next largest is on the Amazon River. That's a 15-foot tidal bore that's felt 500 miles up the Amazon. So when we look out on the Pacific, we think of it as one ocean basin. But actually, there's many, many basins within it, shaped by the topography underneath and the, even the water temperature and the salinity. And each one of those basins responds differently to the calls, as it were, from the sun and the moon. So as sea level rises, it will change the, the, the characteristics of these basins, so they will respond differently. I spent most of my adult life uh, involved in marine conservation of one kind or another, and I was a naysayer about tide energy when I went into this research. But um, throughout the process, I completely came around and I'm an advocate of it now. I don't think it's a silver bullet in terms of renewable energy, but I think it, it will have a place, a viable place with solar and wind. Um, we've got a long ways to go in terms of uh, developing the technology, but um, there's a lot of interest and there's a lot of potential. There's, there's great potential up in uh, Northern Scotland, in fact, all around the UK, but there's a group called the European Marine Energy uh, Center in the Orkney Islands north of Scotland. It's called EMAC. And that's where the most research is being done right now with tide energy. But there are other places, for example, in the Bay of Fundy. And there are actually devices in the water working in all over the UK and Alaska and up in Maine and down in the UK, uh, down in, excuse me, down in uh, uh, Australia. And I went down to Chile, for example, in the book because they're very interested in it and they have tremendous tide resources, but nothing yet in the water.